Okay, hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to Facebook Live. And uh, this will be uh, our monthly uh, quiz, so hopefully you'll enjoy this. Um, lots of things going on in the world of CT. It looks like uh, there is some improvement potentially coming soon in terms of contrast. It will take several weeks, but uh, it looks like Shanghai is going is leaving its lockdown, so hopefully GE could be at 100%. They are producing more contrast in Ireland at their factories. And GE also announced yesterday that they will be shipping, rather than shipping, let me rephrase that, that rather than shipping contrast, and shipping takes a long time, uh, they will be air freighting contrast. So again, that should make our life a whole lot easier. Uh, I know everybody, uh, there's good articles in radiology today, JACR and other areas talking about, you know, some ways of uh, improving uh, the challenges that happened at this point in terms of how to use less contrast, how to use alternative studies, and what little tricks you can or can't do. So hopefully um, when we have this quiz next month, I'll be able to say, well, that's over with, now let's move on. Anyway, let's move on. Now this will be the second most exciting thing this week. I think the most exciting thing if you watch social media and you watch CT as Us, was Taylor Swift gave the graduation speech at NYU yesterday. She actually gave a great speech, so now it's Dr. Taylor Swift. And she did make a joke and say, uh, she was talking about breathing, she goes, and I know a lot about breathing. Remember, I'm a doctor. Okay, anyway, CT is Us challenge. Here are some cases that I showed yesterday at conference. Um, remember, we have weekly conferences and we quiz our faculty, so it's a lot of fun. And this was a patient with back pain rule out the section. You look at the aorta, so what are you thinking? The aorta looks pretty good, right? But what's the thing be near the aorta? What about that esophagus? It looks kind of dilated. When you look at the sagittal view, look at the size of the esophagus, markedly dilated with food matter. Now you could say, well, maybe there's reflux, but that's more than just reflux, right? Reflux, you see a lot of fluid, not so much food matter. Maybe it's an obstruction distally like a esophageal cancer or gastric cancer growing upward. That's a thought, but I don't see a tumor. When you see the esophagus being this dilated, you have to consider one thing, and that's achalasia. Achalasia gives you a markedly dilated esophagus. The change is at the sphincter by the GE junction. Patients with um, achalasia, can have chest pain. This was the patient's initial presentation. So it can present a little bit later than the one would think it should. And also the fact is patients with achalasia have an increased incidence of carcinoma. So you want to look carefully at that. So the diagnosis here was achalasia. Terrific case. Okay, next case. Patient with a cough who was a child. Now you look at the interior metastitum. Some people might say, oh, this patient must have lymphoma. Look at that big mass. But at that age, it's simply normal thymus. You do, however, see adenopathy in the pretracheal region and the subcarinal zone. And whatever the process is, is also infiltrating around the left and right main stem bronchi. So you still might be thinking about malignancy. And again, if you thought about malignancy, middle mediastinum, posterior mediastinum, you've got to be thinking about lymphoma. But then you notice that these nodes are in part calcified. They're also in the hyalur regions, the tracheas are involved. And lymphoma in and of itself, unless it's been treated, typically does not calcify, so that's not a good thought. 
Malignancies, mucinous tumors do calcify, metastatic disease to the chest, maybe the patient has a Wilms or something like that. But this distribution is not great for that. And then you look at the coronal views and look how the uh, trachea and mainstem bronchi are compressed and narrowed by large subcarinal mass or nodes which are partially calcified. And then you can see it even further, a little bit better on the 3D image on your right, lots of calcifications present, so something good to think about. And then look at this, look at the bronchoscopy images. Look at how nicely the left and right main stem bronchi are patent, but they're markedly narrowed and stretched. That's not a stretching of malignancy. Could you think about some of the strange things like, um, you know, what things infiltrate Wegener's, polychondritis, but it's a, you know, it's a young child in the nodes and calcification. So what do you think about malignancy? But we kind of said it doesn't make sense. So then you say, what about adenopathy? What gives you adenopathy that calcifies, can occur in a child, can involve the subcarinal and hyalur regions? And the answer to that will be inflammatory disease, think TB, think histo. So in this patient, this was histoplasmosis. The anterior mediastinal mass was a normal thymus and the patient was treated. So a really nice example of histo. We don't typically think about histoplasmosis in children, but <clears throat> it can occur. What can I tell you? What about this case, patient with a cough? There's a mass narrowing the airway. When you look at the mass, it's in the wall of the trachea, just above the bifurcation. It's smooth, it's not calcified, it's not enhancing to any great degree, and you could see how it compresses and narrows the trachea and the right main stem bronchus where it pushes in there, nicely shown in these coronal volume rendered images. And you could see it here as well. Uh, again, uh, this is sort of a, again, uh, more of a MIP type image, beautifully showing you the smooth borders, compressing the trachea on the right side as well as the right main stem bronchus. Looks like a smooth tumor. You could think of something like a lyomyoma. You can think about a number of different tumors. It's not adenopathy, it looks like a tumor. So then you say to yourself, what tumors occur in the trachea? And here it is with virtual tracheoscopy, which is just like virtual colonoscopy, and of course it looks like a polyp in the colon. But there you see it compressing and narrowing the airway, very nicely shown. And that was a adeno adenoid cystic carcinoma, or ACC. Now, what's interesting is that's the second most common primary tracheal tumor. Here's a list of tracheal tumors, some of the benign ones, and there's lots of things present. Papillomatosis is something we see, but they're typically smaller and multiple. And then, of course, malignant carcinoids, lymphoma, melanoma, mucoepidermoid, a lot of things that are possible. When you look at the seared data, the number one thing was squamous cell carcinoma, and number two was adenoid cystic carcinoma, or ACC. And of course, ACC also could be primary adrenal cortical carcinoma, but in the lungs, ACC is adenoid cystic carcinoma. So again, a really nice case. You can see second most common. Um, tumor was intramural in 15%, extramural 85%. Again, <clears throat> Excuse me, but a very, very nice example. And I wish, I wish, I wish I had some water here, which I don't have. Okay, what about this case? Rule out the section. You look at the non-contrast, there's a mass anteriorly on the right. And when you give contrast, the mass does not enhance to any great degree. 
It stands near the atrium and ventricle on the right side and near the SVC. And as you scan down, would you realize it's actually involving the patient's right atrium and possibly the right ventricle. It's soft tissue and it's going by direct extension. So you then say to yourself, what could this be? Could be lymphoma, that's the thought. Lymphoma is anything you can think about, anterior mediastinum, posterior mediastinum, middle mediastinum. But what else occurs by the right side of the heart can invade directly the right atrium and also the right ventricle. What is that? There's a tumor that does that. When I think about tumors of the heart, we obviously think 40 to one, it's metastatic. So METs could do it, but lymphoma is a good thought. And what you also need to think about is the diagnosis of this case, which is an angiosarcoma. Angiosarcomas commonly occur by the right atrium. They can directly invade in, they can infiltrate in the whole pericardium, but a very classic appearance for atrial um, angiosarcoma, wonderful case. Now this patient, a drop in hemoglobin, what's the reason? You look at the left kidney, it looks good. You can see there's a mass right here in the duodenum. There are other enhancing nodules. There's a mass in the adrenal. And what you notice hopefully is the right kidney is not there. There are multiple additional masses in bowel. So what gives you multiple hypervascular small bowel lesions? Look at the MIP imaging, look at the right side by the ileum. What gives you multiple vascular small bowel tumors and also a right nephrectomy and also some nodes? That's gonna be a renal cell carcinoma. Renal cell carcinoma when it metastasizes, be it to muscle or bone, be it to small bowel or stomach, be it to contralateral kidney, most commonly and especially when the patient has a clear cell primary, when they recur the lesions of vascular, be it to nodes, be it to stomach, be it to small bowel. This was metastatic renal cell carcinoma to bowel. One of the reasons IV contrast is so important is this case. One of the reasons it's important to do arterial phase when you're following up renal cell carcinoma, it's this case. Another patient, abdominal pain and distension. When you look at the abdomen, there looks like nodularity on the omentum. That is a classic example of carcinomatosis. Now you ask why, is it gastric cancer or ovarian cancer? Is it a mucosal of the appendix? Is it a biliary tumor? What's going on here? What's giving you carcinomatosis? You also could think about a primary mesothelioma, and if someone said it wasn't tumor, then it could be tuberculosis. When you scan low enough, there's something in the right lower quadrant with rim-like calcification, which shows well in the coronal view. It's tubular, and that's a mucosal of the appendix. Could it be a Meckles in the area? I guess that's a possibility. But with the rim calcification, mucosal, with the pseudomyxoma peritonei, just a beautiful case, beautiful example. So HAM, right? Uh, that's sort of the abbreviation. Just a very nice example with pseudomyxoma peritonei. And here's just a few more images. Okay, what about this? Acute abdomen with a drop in hemoglobin. There's obviously a mass in the liver and it's bled. The two things you think about are hepatic adenoma and hepatoma. The liver doesn't seem to be cirrhotic. There's lots of blood present. The patient obviously did not have a biopsy, did not have trauma. And yes, there's a whole long list of things from hemangiomas on down that can cause bleeding. One of the things you've got to think about is metastasis. 
And we see lots of Mets, not very frequently do they bleed, but if you have an angiosarcoma, that'd be a possibility. But this tumor, and you can see the blood in the center, this is a tumor that's not that uncommon these days. Can give you cystic or solid Mets, involves many organs and often is vascular wherever it goes. Though here you see the bleeding, though the tumor itself is not very vascular. And you can see a very large mass with blood. We went through a differential. Everybody would favor hepatoma, hepatic adenoma. This was metastatic melanoma. So melanoma can give you masses that bleed. It's true in the retroperitoneum, it's true in the bowel, it's true in the spleen, and it's true in the liver. Just a terrific, terrific case. Okay, FUO, difficult case. When you look at the narrow windows, it'll show better, but you can see here the patient has large tumor in the liver and in a markedly enlarged spleen. There are also nodes present. The lesions in the liver are somewhat vascular. Here it is nicely on the coronal view. So now you gotta say, I got liver, I got spleen, I got nodes, I got a lot of disease. Well, you can think about lymphoma, usually it's not vascular, but lymphoma is always a good thought. You can think about metastasis. You could think about, um, you know, things like sarcoid give you multiple lesions in liver and spleen. This does not look like sarcoid and the nodes in the middle are just, you know, too much. And this looks like IVC involvement, which you're not gonna see with sarcoid. You can think about abscesses, but again, this is a little bit too extensive for abscesses. Now, if I told you this was an AIDS patient, then you say, what do AIDS patients get? They get B-cell lymphoma. We thought of that, but they also get Kaposi sarcoma. Kaposi's classically can involve the liver and it can involve the spleen, which it did in this case. This was Kaposi's, great case. Another case, abdominal pain and you see liver lesions. The key to this case is the liver lesions measure fat. So it could be lipomas. Yes, you can get metastatic liposarcoma. You get a primary liposarcoma of the liver, but there are multiple lesions present. And that would be kind of atypical. I've seen liposarcomas in the retroperitoneum metastasized to the liver. I think maybe I saw one with some fat, but not here's three fatty lesions. So maybe these are lipomas of the liver. Maybe they're angiomyolipomas of the liver. When you look at the patient's abdomen beyond the liver, you see multiple renal masses, and you realize, oh, maybe it's renal cell carcinoma and this METS. But then when you look more carefully, there are a number of fatty tumors in both kidneys. So what you're dealing with are angiomyolipomas. Some are classic fat, but some are soft tissue. And then you say, look at the, kid look at the kidney on the left here, multiple fatty lesions in the kidneys bilaterally, what ends up being an atypical angiomyolipoma, and the fatty lesions in the liver means you have a syndrome. Liver and kidney, fatty tumors, what are we dealing with? We're dealing with tuberous sclerosis. What a wonderful case. Now again, the right kidney is tricky, but remember, not every angiomyolipoma has fat. Sometimes they're very vascular, like this case. Sometimes they have fat and are vascular. This is a great example because a patient with this much vascularity is gonna have this embolized or resected because AML, the danger is they spontaneously bleed and the kidney could rupture. So a wonderful case of tuberous sclerosis with lipomas in the liver and lipomas in the kidney. What else do I got? Now here's two cases I'm gonna show next week, so I'm gonna treat you guys to it. Mass in the tail of pancreas. 
It's solid looking, could it be an MCN, there's some peripheral enhancement, could it be metastatic um, to pancreas, can it be a uh, neuroendocrine tumor, it's a good thought. But the more you look, what about, are there septations here? When you get down to the venous, you begin to think, well, the vessels are stretched, there's vascularity around the edge, and then we keep looking, look at the venous on the right. The more you look at it, the more you see what looks like a Swiss cheese pattern. And so, yes, I would consider an MCN. I would consider a cystic neuroendocrine. It's a tough, tough case. I know the answer, but those septations help you, make you think about some sort of serous tumor, one of the various types, one of the three types of a serous type tumors. But you see prominent vascularity, you see some septations, tough, tough case. This was a serous cystadenoma. Remember, serous cystadenomas can be very vascular, they can have draping of vessels, can really simulate a neuroendocrine tumor, can be very, very challenging. So it's a great mimicker, and this was a great example. And another case here, there's a cystic lesion which you really can't tell where it is. It's homogeneous and low density. It looks like it's coming off or near the pancreas. There's multiple images. It's low density, measuring a mean of about 18. You can say, well, maybe this is a pseudocyst. Well, maybe it's a serous cystadenoma. Maybe it's a mucinous cystadenoma based on location. But what you'll notice most about the cystic lesion, well-defined, no septations, no enhancement, but it's also low density. And it's adjacent to the pancreas, not in the middle. It's not communicating with duct or anything else. If I see a cystic-looking pancreatic mass, and it looks like it's even peripancreatic, you're not even sure it's coming off the pancreas, that's a classic description. And we do see them all the time, maybe not all the time, but fairly regularly. Here's a few more image, and that's a lymphoepithelial cyst. So they can be confused with MCNs, they can be confused with serous cyst adenomas, IPMN pseudocyst. Again, the key thing is exophytic with barely any communication to the um, gland itself and surely not to the duct. So with that, I've showed you a bunch of cases. I hope you enjoyed them. I hope the quiz helps you. And I hope someday you can come to our quiz on Wednesdays where we show about 25 or 30 excellent cases and they're discussed by our excellent faculty. Of course, you could always join our faculty and then you get to see the cases for free. Anyway, with that, have a great day and a great week. See you soon.